0: To Radio TFS episode 33. I'm Mickey Gousset, and with me I have Paul Hacker. Hi, Paul. Hey, Mickey. And Martin Woodward. Hi, Martin. Good day, Mickey. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for asking. Now, for those of you that have been listening to Radio TFS for a while, you know that Martin and Paul and I have been have been doing this. Well, we've got a surprise for you because we've now brought on a fourth new co-host, some of you may know him from his very, very popular blog, coolthingoftheday.blogspot.com. I'd like to introduce Mr. Greg Duncan. Hi, Greg. How are you? Hey, good morning, Mickey. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why we've dragged you into this?
1: <laughs> well, um, in my day life, I'm a line of business developer. We work in uh, one of the final four uh, large accounting firms in the, in the United States. I uh, do litigation support software. In uh, my off time, I'm a web curator extraordinaire. I have about 2,000 or so uh, RSS feeds that, that that I scan through daily, and I and I pick out the, the cool stuff. You know, the things that 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 strike me as interesting, stuff that I personally find interesting, um, and I blog about it. I, you know, put it on my blog. Uh, since then, I've been, uh, you know, for my sins, uh, Microsoft and the channel nine team has started to, uh, like the stuff that I do. And, you know, I've been helping out now with the coding for fun blog. I've been doing that for about a year. Uh, when the connect went live, uh, Dan Fernandez reached out and you know asked if I wanted to put my curation superpowers into uh, helping out with that. So I've been helping out with the Coding for Fun Connect Gallery. That seemed to go well, and uh, since then I've also been helping out on the This Week on Channel Nine team, uh, behind the scenes, uh, helping pick stories and 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 organize the stories and and do the show notes for that.
0: Wow! So you you're an incredibly busy in your community work, not just your real. <laughs> But no, in great. your
2: real job, you're using TFS and Team System and all that sort of good stuff as well, or do you just find it interesting? Because I know you do lots of good posts about it. Correct. Uh, yes,
1: uh, we use both uh, a TFS 2008 and and 2010. Um, yeah, actually. I uh some of my work is still, you know, this is going to make you cringe, but in uh, VB6. So I, I will code in VB6 uh almost daily, unfortunately. Um on the other side we're using .net4 um hosted in uh, TFS 2010. We use most of the bells and whistles uh, that that the normal people will use. Uh you know, we use MS test uh, for our automated tests. We use uh continuous integration with uh um team build with the automatic unit testing with that. Um, we don't use some of the more newer stuff like a lab management. I think that is pretty awesome. I like the, the whole idea behind the VMs and, and rolling those out and capturing the states behind that. Um, but you know, it's interesting on the line of business type of development, you know, our motivation is to pretty much, you know, Solve the problem now and move on to the next problem. You know, so the neat, the cool, the, uh, wow, we could really use that seems to get a lower priority, you know, until there is a preponderance of, of, uh, stuff <laughs> to, uh, uh, you know, sell it to the business unit. You know, why should we invest time
2: in that? So. She's basically a normal company. with
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: we needed representation of the normals on this on this podcast. That's good. Wow, cool.
0: And one other one other thing I'd like to point out about Greg is he's also a really solid community person. He and I actually worked the booth together at TechEd two or three years ago. So I had the opportunity to hang out with him all week, which was actually kind of fun.
2: Well, hey guys. So speaking of the um you were talking about VB6 there, Greg. So I'm going to I'm going to do a little subtle segue here into some news. <laughs> How about that? We uh we just literally just released the uh, a new December release of the Team Foundation Server Power Tools. Sweet. So if you go to um yes. aka.ms, that's our new fancy URL shortener. So if you go to aka.ms/tfpt uh you get the list of all the power tools there I and mean, then you go and have a look at the Visual Studio ones. But the the one that I wanted to mention, we've um we've updated the Misky provider a little bit and we've actually introduced a new sixty four bit miski provider. Cool. So sixty four bit misky, you may ask. Who on earth would be crazy <laughs> enough to want sixty four bit Misky?
0: That was gonna be my next question. Has that actually been something people have been been really asking for or is that just a we threw it in there because we thought it was cool
2: well yeah so the miski spec like the guys that wrote the Misky spec actually um, still work on the team foundation server team you know they wrote many 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 moons ago and it is a 32-bit spec but um there's been a couple of um ide vendors which have done 64-bit versions of their ide's that still use miski um And even though that kind of wasn't in the spec, you know, we've had people crying out for a 64-bit MISC. The biggest one is things like MATLAB and, you know, some of the statisticians. um, And believe it or not, there's lots of them out there um, wanting to do source control there statistical type stuff and mathematical modeling type stuff so yeah we introduced the 64-bit miski for those guys and we've had a couple of companies trying it uh for the past month or two and they seem happy so we thought we'd put it out there and put it into a, a new power tool release so there we go
0: excellent are there any other new tools in the in the release that are, i know there's always updates to the existing one but is there anything else new coming that people might find interesting
2: well, yeah, um, you know me. I'm in the Eclipse world, and uh, I thought it was about time uh, we stepped up and had some Eclipse power tools as well. So we've actually added, um, you know, the alerts editor that you get that, that's in Visual Studio. How you can edit alerts and, and yes, do, yeah. yeah, we've added absolutely. that into Eclipse. We did. That. We actually had no way of doing editing alerts at all uh, in the product. Um, you couldn't even, you know, do a simple check-in alert. So rather than add the simple ones, which we did first time around, we thought, you know what, let's just, let's just go the whole hog and do, um, an equivalent of the, the power tool alerts editor and release it as a power tool for Eclipse. So that we've done that. We've done work item templates as well as a power tool in Eclipse. And then finally, um, just in, you know, in source control explorer, we've added some stuff there so you can easily find files in source control if you're trying to find, you know, like, uh, foo. java or wherever you can find that easily in source control and see, see where the path is that sort of thing awesome yeah and then you're talking about improvements these are kind of in, in improvements but you know larger improvements than some of the other stuff um if those of you who are looking at project server integration with team foundation server um we've added some rules into the the best practice analyzer tool in the power tool so we've added added some Project Server like rules into that to, to check your be- your Project Server configuration. And not many people know this, but the the best practice analyzer is actually um, it's built by a lot of the guys who do frontline support for Team Foundation Server. So when if you go through and you you know get end up talking to Microsoft support solving a Team Foundation Server problem, any diagnostic steps that they do, they try and if they notice them happening more than once. You know, they're good techie guys. They try and automate it. And so um, the, business, the best practice analyzer stemmed out of those guys building tools to automate searching of common problems and common misconfigurations. And whenever they find a new one in support in out in the real world, they stick it into this tool and, you know, it's, it's like builds extra knowledge into the tool. And so you can go run the best practice analyzer yourself from the power tools and you get all the, the benefits of all the experience of the guys, you know, working the front line, uh, manning the phones and things like that. So that's good. And then uh, the final one I wanted to mention was, um, on work items. You know, we added work item search into Visual Studio mm-hmm. yes. in the, in the August release. Well, uh, a a hotly requested feature from uh, the MVPs especially was to be able to just type an ID into that box and get the work item. Oh, that's great. We added that. Uh, but the problem you might be asking is, what if I want to search for a number that's not an ID in, in the description field? And the answer is just put it in quotes. So there's, a, there's actually a, a CHM file, a Chim file, a Chum file a long, that gets installed with the Power Tools, which has got a bunch of help about how to use that search. You know, there's, there's loads more syntax than you might expect rather than just typing words in. So have a look at the help file. Uh, but no, you can just type an ID in. If somebody says go work on work item 42, you can get to it very, very easily now. So there you go. Sweet. Awesome. So, hey, hey I got Greg. a
3: question for you, Martin. Okay, yes, yeah, sure. Um, is there any been any um enhancements to the existing Power Tool pieces that are there, such as shell extensions or um check-in policies, custom check-in policy pack? Anything been done there to enhance
2: those? Um, this time round, we didn't uh have, We haven't added any more check-in policies to the check-in policy pack. I'd be interested to hear from our leaders, our uh, leaders, our readers, our listeners, rather, uh, which um. Which check-in policies they use out of the the power tool pack? The one I hear everyone using is the check for comments policy. And yes. you know, it, it's the time of year where we're working on the next version of TFS, TFS 11. And um, I'm interested to hear which which is the most popular power tool. If we could if we could take one uh, check-in policy, say, out of the check-in policy pack. And put it into the product. You know which one would it be? I'm guessing it's check for comments. But if anyone disagrees with me, then then get a hold of us at radioTFS at gmail.com and uh, let and let me know. Let me know what you want in there. Um, but no, um, the chain policies haven't been added to. And we we've we've just done a few bug fixes and things in the rest of the stuff. Um, we haven't really added a huge amount of features, um, into there this time around. It's mostly just been a bit of a a spit and polish release. And and in these few little things I just mentioned.
3: Nice, nice. Yeah, I have a lot of customers that really like the shell extension piece because they're storing non-visual studio files in TFS, such as documents and things like that, and they love working with the shell extensions in order to to you know facilitate their uh, integration with TFS. So yeah,
2: yeah, no, that, 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 we did a lot of improvements from them in the August release. So this time it was just more of a kind of a bug fix and things like that. Nice. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that, Paul. I mean, exactly three types of of uh version control users. You've got people who um love IDE integration, you've got people who love the shell extensions, and then you've got people who love the command line. And it's like there's these three groups that love each of those and you know, never never the three shall meet. You know, they always right. think that their way is the best way. So uh, exactly. it's interesting. Yeah and we've always had really good command line and visual studio integration support so it's nice to see the the shell extensions improving you know if 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 anyone can do a good shell extension it should be microsoft <laughs> <laughs> i would
3: think yeah
0: well, well martin you made a good a good kind of little comment that leads into the fact that since we last talked there's been movement in the the new versions of Visual Studio and TFS there's been you know Visual Studio 11 there's been a a, a preview release of it and of TFS and there's actually a, a virtual machine you can download that has all this stuff on it um there's a lot of stuff there that we're going to be talking about a lot in the future cuz it gives us a lot of, of things but one of the things I think is kind of was kind of cool was the the hosted preview so i know martin you've been using it cuz well you you pretty much are working on it. But I was curious with if Greg or Paul, if either of y'all have looked at the TFS-hosted preview much, and if you've done anything with it.
1: You know, I've signed up for it uh, the day it was available. I installed the uh, the pack so into w- What was
2: the URL that you went to to sign up for this preview, Greg? Tell us more about it. <laughs>
1: uh, it was um, httpfspreview.com.
2: T- tfspreview.com.
1: Oh, tfspreview? Yeah, yeah. Oh, typo. <laughs> um,
2: My fault. <laughs>
1: and uh, t- to get in right now, there is an invitation code uh, that is required. Um, those will be flowing from a number of different resources. Um, luckily, I had one from uh, Brian Harry had published it uh, when they first released it. And it's actually very nice. It's seamless. And that's one of the things that, that I like. You know, I, I don't want a lot of ceremony in my Visual Studio. I just want to you know, hook it up, make it work, write my code. Uh, the The fact that there's a new authentication, you know, that... Tacked onto it because you're using your Live ID to authenticate with the TFS Preview. Uh, they made that very simple. You know, you get a new dialog when you are logging into the uh, the TFS system, the TFS Preview system. Um, but that's really fairly unobtrusive. You know, it comes up, it remembers your ID if you want it to. You click on OK and you're connected. Um, so far, it just seems to work. Now, I switch between a, a number of different repositories. I use Code Preview, uh, Codeplex a lot. I've got, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 different um, CodePlex projects on a bunch of different servers, so I'm constantly switching between those servers. Um, I'm not sure in my head where to use TFS preview and where to use CodePlex. You know, right now my guideline is if I'm sharing code with the world, it goes on CodePlex. if it looks like I might share it with the world, it goes on codeplex, but if I'm going to do a private project or a project that's probably never going to get released or that the teams are relatively small, it goes on tFs preview
2: that's that probably yeah that's probably good good guidance for now definitely so it's worth recapping the tFs previews this is a, a it's the next version of tFs tFs eleven running out um, it's actually hosted in Azure so we 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 go run it on azure and we try and keep it up to date um fairly often we we actually just did a a brand new update we're just in the process of going around updating everybody's um project collections so by the time by the time people um get this podcast you will probably be able to uh, log in and get a shiny new interface so we've done a bunch of user interface work based on uh, a lot of the feedback um we've been getting from you know people who had access to tfspreview.com already um, one of them was around navigation. We've improved a bunch of the navigation stuff. And, and then we've, we, we basically updated the build to something that came off our build server. I think it was about three, four days ago. <laughs> you know, it's like very, very, very recent bits. Um, and one of the challenges we always had with TFS in other releases was, um, Getting people to give us real feedback, you know, on using it. People can ha- it, there's a big hurdle to just get things installed in a virtual machine, getting a virtual mm-hmm. machine, and then unless you're using it every day, you don't notice some things. Some things aren't as annoying as they might think, and some things uh, aren't as cool as you might think. So um, we wanted to be able to make it easy for people to use the latest version of TFS and give us feedback on it. And so that that was a, a, a big motivation behind you know getting TFS Preview out there get you all using very very recent builds of TFS um, and then you know we can get the feedback and we can incorporate that feedback into the the product that ends up shipping so uh, yeah I'm excited to once your project collections get upgraded I'm excited to hear what everyone thinks about the changes and, uh, and let's know what, what what needs to change well, that's, that's part of the
1: part of the promise of the cloud isn't it that you know we can get these kind of updates quickly and easily you know without a lot of install on our side so yeah i'm I'm excited about this
2: yeah there's um one of the great things about tfs it's always had really good back compatibility you know so like visual studio 2005 2008 and whatever and 2010 can all obviously talk to well, at the minute, it's just Visual Studio 2010, but eventually, you know, all the different Visual Studios will be able to talk to this version in the cloud. Um, the, the big, the big difference, as you mentioned, Greg, between the version out in the cloud and the version on premise at the minute is the way you authenticate with it and you use your internet credential to authenticate with it rather, you know, Active Directory it doesn't make a lot of sense out there in the cloud at the moment. So yeah, it's exciting stuff. Now, I would be interested from
0: our listeners' perspective, for listeners that we have that have been using the TFS preview, I would be interested in knowing your comments or your concerns or what you like or what you don't like. So send us an email at radiotfs at gmail.com and let me know if you've been using it. And let me know what you've been doing with it, how it works. I've been using it to try to, to manage some very small internal projects of my own, and there are some things that I like about it. There are some things that are at the interface that have annoyed me, which – We'll see if they've been fixed in the latest version on, coming out.
2: Give us a for instance, Mickey, on what, what's been annoying you.
0: For instance, I get freaking lost. Mm. I can't tell sometimes when I'm in the administrative area. I can't always figure out exactly how to get where I want to be able to enter a work item or manage my work items if I want to do it all through the web interface, which is what I've been doing so far. Yeah. So it's just I, – I there was not a good navigation scheme or, or good – breadcrumbs to let me know where i was in a particular area of the tfs okay um, pre-
2: i think we've fixed that so let me know <laughs> so I'll, so, I'll, if, if people have got specific i mean definitely send in, uh, send us feedback to radio tfs at com. but also if people have specific feedback they want the team to listen to there's feedback links on every page don't forget to click on those we listen to those you know you wouldn't believe the amount of uh, um attention that just a, a casual, off-the-cuff, uh, frustrated email sent at three o'clock in the morning because someone's been annoying you. Um They get a lot of attention internally. So yeah, please do send the team feedback as well.
0: What about yourself, Paul? Have you looked at the preview at all?
3: I've looked at it a little bit, but honestly, I haven't had really much time to work with it. I have customers that are working with it, and I have colleagues that are working with it that... um You know, tend, tend to like what they see so far, but their biggest question to me is when's it going to be ready for prime time? They think I, I'm going to have the magic answer for them, which I don't. And, um, but the one question I do get is Dev 11 going to be, um, an on premise and in cloud deployment, um, when it comes, when it goes out to the public, or is it going to be down the road where they see, um, a true version of TFS in the cloud and it's the same version they could put on premise?
2: So, um, I, I can answer that one for sure. So TFS 11, um, there is a version in Azure, that version, you know, TFS preview. Right. There is a version of TFS 11 as well that people can install on premise. And it is the same. It's the same version of TFS. It comes from the same branch in source control. Um, there are a few switches which get switched on when you're in on premise, like the ability to, um you know do all the provisioning of accounts and things like that Sorry, when it's when it's hosted there's a few things that get switched on and the code paths change a little bit so um in TFS Azure um all the we we optimize the storage of files we don't store absolutely everything in the database on the Azure um, we store some of the files in Azure Blob Storage, because that's a bunch cheaper, and uh, we rely on all the features of Azure Blob Storage to be able to store files um, and securely and with backups and so on and so forth, whereas with on-premise TFS we store everything in the database to make it really easy to back up TFS, um, but that's just a switch in the code base you know you're running the same code but it it has the switch in you could probably you know there might be a way of if it, it it would detect it was running in azure and go you know try try start using blob storage if 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 it was installed on azure kind of thing it's the same code and then that same code the on premise code base is the same code base that will uh, obviously be available to our hosting providers you know like like you Paul, and, and other companies as well that that want to provide hosted versions of TFS that still give customers all the flexibility that they kind of want from their on-premise TFS that we can't give in the cloud at the moment. You know, we can't, we can't heavily customize that TFS instance in the cloud because we're sharing it between tens of thousands of users that are all subscribed to it. So, uh, right, right. you know, um, but yeah, so there's that. Hey, Greg, go on. You're the new boy. Have you got any interesting news that 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 took your eye?
1: Well, some of the things that I've been watching, you know, both T, uh, TFS and uh, VS 11, the developer preview that came out. You know, like all developers, I like shiny. I like the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've been watching on, on that stuff. And you know, one of the new features coming in uh, TFS 11 is uh, um, and a, re- a reaction to the distributed version control, like Git. Um, one of the things that they're working on that, that I'm kind of excited in seeing. You know. Personally, I'm probably going to lose some dev cred here. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't do distributed version control much. You know, I, I kind of understand it. I, I look at the the Git stuff and I say, oh, okay, I kind of get it. But, in, you know, the traditional TFS version control seems to pretty much work for me, both for home personal projects, you know, and for work projects. Now, given that I'm not working on hugely distributed teams and, and you know, most of my projects are, Personal projects where I've got you know, one body working on it, but I really do like how the TFS team is still l- trying to learn the lessons. You know, they're not jumping as fast at, as necessarily you know everybody wants that all the commenters are, are 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 saying, but they are trying to learn. You know, just like you know when they moved from um, SourceSafe to TFS, the lessons that are learned, we're seeing them rolled in. You know, so one of the things that news items that came over the wire that, that I saw was a, a comment from, uh, Peter Schwab, uh, Willie Peter Schwab, who is a TFS or an ALM ranger. And he was trying to, he wrote a post about trying to understand the, the changes in the workspaces, you know, server ver- workspace versus a local workspace. And that is, um, tinyurl.com RTFS. 121101.
2: 1, 1, 1. And That's in this article, 121101, you see what it did there? 1211 oh, and then 0, 01. Look at that. Ah, you're good. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so again, in this article, he just talks about. What are these things? You know, you're going to start hearing about more one of these local workspaces versus servers, and he tries to go into them a little bit detail, and he does a comparison, a side by side. You know, what is a tw- uh, 2010 workspace, and then what is going to happen in um, TFS 11?
2: So it's probably um, in yeah the the thing we introduced was a, a concept called local workspaces. Um, so currently today we have workspaces and. Workspaces as we all know them, we've, we've even, we've done shows about Workspace 101, you know, there's certain things in the way they work because the server stores state about your workspace, you know, what you files you have, what you files you have checked out, that sort of thing. And that works really, really well in large teams. And it also works well because it enables, um, enables you to lock files and it also enables you to communicate between your team you know if you go to edit a file tfs will warn you that hey greg's also working on this file maybe you want to call him before you both edit it at the same (laughs) time um the the problem we found with server workspaces um is that it people it, it it can be quite it can introduce friction to some people especially i'm guessing greg you do most of your developing in the ide would that be correct Yes. Yeah. It works really well for people who are in Visual Studio all the time and, and always in Visual Studio. But the second you go out onto a file system and try and use, say, Notepad to edit one of these files, you run into problems because the files read only. Is, is the first thing you run into. Um, or you do, you know, and then, and then some people look and they see the files read only, and they think, oh, TFS is broke. It set my <laughs> files to read only. So the first thing they do is go change that. Like, they go to right click properties, set it to read write, and then mess around in notepad, um, hit save, and then they do a, um, and then they don't know, they don't understand A, why they can't check the file in, because, you know, they, they haven't actually told TFS, I've edited this file, so TFS doesn't know, so you don't have the ability to check it in. And then sometimes they'll do a get latest as well. Um and uh, ouch. Yeah, yeah, we didn't know we'll, we'll do a get, but maybe that file hasn't changed. But you changed mm-hmm. it locally, but TFS didn't know you changed it locally, and so you do a get, and then TFS says, "Well, this file hasn't changed, so I don't need to update it." And so you've still got the old file, and then that's where you get the pro- the complaints you hear from people saying, oh, did "I did a get latest, and I've still got some old stuff here. What's going on?" Kind of thing. It's because probably that kind of things happened So with local workspaces, we. I wouldn't, uh, it's probably more, um, I I wouldn't say it's exactly a reaction to DVCS. It's more of a just removing the the friction, um, and, and making it so that files aren't, aren't read only when you, uh, when you first get them. You can edit them. You can do whatever you want with them. Um, TFS only detects there being a change when you hit control S and save it. And then that file is different to the file you originally did a get of. And TFS goes, oh look, pending pending edit. You know, there's a change in this file. Now one thing. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say one thing. I, if I remember correctly to watch out for though is with local workspaces, is it doesn't or no? Sorry, that's working. Never mind.
2: <laughs> no, go on. What are you say? <laughs> It was <laughs>
0: it was working offline. The working yeah. offline story hmm. has gotten better, but the the catch with the working offline story is that if you do a rename, it doesn't catch it as a rename.
2: Uh we're doing some work around that, but yeah, there's 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 some issues there. But yeah, we'll go through. So um with uh you we when you hit control s the file changed. It's now it says look there's a file that's changed. If you were to go into that file and manually change it back to be what it was and hit control S, the file hasn't changed anymore and so it's no longer checked out. Bizarrely. So um it, it it just kinda just works as you expect. When you add files, it detects files that are added. We've done a bunch of work actually, so that the shell extensions, Visual Studio, and Eclipse all know about each other. So if you edit in like Notepad and hit Control S, then Visual Studio and Eclipse and the shell extensions all know about the fact that there's been a change, and don't you know, and you don't have to press refresh anywhere. It just magically knows this fact. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's like quite a neat feature. And then, like you say, Mickey, because now. the only times you actually need to do an online operation for, um, for version control is when you're doing like check-in. So you can do, you can do edit. You can just edit a file. Once you've done a get, you can edit the file fine offline. You can do all the other things you want to do fine offline. You can compare with the version you downloaded. Um, it keeps the old version in a little folder called $tfs or it's called dot tfs, um, on Windows and it keeps that at the root of the, the um the workspace so you know in say in if you've been using subversion or something like that you get lots of those dot sbn folders everywhere we only have one dollar tfs folder per workspace so you don't when you copy things around you don't get those folders polluting files which is quite nice Anyway, that's
0: um, what what excites me about the local workspace aspect is the better offline story yeah
2: no it works really well
0: because a lot of times for me, even with my personal stuff that I'm doing, yes, I have my TFS that I run on my VM, but a lot of times it's not necessarily running when I want to do some work. Yeah. And being able to d- have a better offline story that makes it easier to reconnect and easier for it to then realize my changes, that's 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 a great, great addition.
2: Yeah, it's really it, – I mean, I've been – so local workspaces will be the default when you create a new workspace, you know, when you upgrade to TFS 11 or whatever. Um, on, on under TFS 11, local workspaces will be the default. Um, you have to, unless you go in and change it for your particular team project, your, you know, there's a setting you can set team project collection wide as to what the default is. But by default, that's the default. And, um, it just kind of works. I've been using them for a few months now and it's brilliant. It's even, it's really cool for me is because I get to, um, you know, I do demos and stuff, and sometimes, like, the internet's not there been I mean, doing a demo. And that's great. I don't even have to fire up my VM. I can still do, like, loads of stuff with source control and demo it, and I don't, I'm not even talking to a TFS server. It just works. <laughs> so, needless to say, as well as it working in visual, you know, in Windows, we, we've also made it go work on the Mac and on Linux and everything else as well. And it just works over there. Um, and those guys, a lot more of those guys are subversion developers, so, you know, they, uh they they get to they like it quite a lot so that's good um there's one other thing i want to mention while i'm talking about that we also added transparent um execute uh bit support um in this preview release so you can um with TFS 11 and Brian Harry's blogged about this as well uh Brian Harry's got got a bunch of changes that willie uh, links to in his blog post about local workspaces but the um we added so we on unix file systems you have the notion of a file being executable. And as part of a local workspace work, we also did support for that better. You can do it today in TFS 2010, but TFS 11, it just picks up the fact that things are executable and checks that in as part of the file. Um, and if you change it, it automatically picks it up as well. So, um, my hope is that with local workspaces, things will just work. It's one of the, you know, the dissatisfier won't be there and people will just think, oh yeah, TFS, it just works. And we've done a load of other changes to help there as well with TFS 11, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to them, I dare say, in future editions. Is there any more, any other thing that interested you, Greg? Um, yeah, actually, there was i a, a, I've got a whole bunch,
1: but uh, um, <laughs> some of the other VS 11 stuff, there, there's, a uh, uh, website dot net uh, i'm sorry daily.nettips.com oh yeah they've been running a, a series of posts about talking about the uh, vs uh, developer preview and talking every day they, they focus on well every other day or every couple of days but uh, for the last couple of weeks they've been doing a, a daily you know what's cool what's nice what's neat in uh, vs 11. Yeah, one of the recent ones, they were talking about the preview tab and how the preview tab is going to work, at least in this version of a a VS 11. Now, you know, the caveat is that this is a developer preview that they're talking about and things will change between, you know, what they talk about today and the future. But the developer preview, you know, they're talking about just at least a vision about, you know, what Microsoft, you know, is trying to present to us. And it's fairly well baked you know from from a outside line of business developer what i'm seeing in the developer preview uh, of VS11 is it's fairly well baked you know i i wouldn't expect necessarily drastic changes and as a curator you know the things that i'm seeing i'm not seeing a lot of people uh complain about the the features necessarily in the developer preview and you know i know microsoft is very Customer focused, and you know, if people were jumping up and down, and they had pitchforks and you know, torches and stuff, uh, very likely, th- so a change would be made. But I'm not seeing that a lot related to uh, the developer preview stuff. So, long story short, the uh, the previews, the 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 daily tips, the people that are talking about the daily previews, you know, I, I would expect a pretty good, um, you know, follow through, a very good uh, um, chance to seeing the stuff in production and this site that the daily.net tips site has been focusing you know uh, on these different features
0: cool this is a cool site i didn't know about this site
2: that's awesome yeah, it's
3: pretty cool i'm checking it out too <laughs> they've got some they've <laughs> done really some uh,
2: win 8 stuff as well which is good because yep. you know yep. i like to i like to avoid anything i'm not supposed to know about windows 8 so i can't accidentally <laughs> leak it and uh yeah so it's good when i read something here i'm like i can talk about it now
0: well, before we wrap up, there's one other thing I wanted I wanted to to mention, which was did any of y'all attend the ALM summit that that Microsoft hosted last month?
2: I happened to speak at that summit, Mickey. I Look at
0: that! Yeah. I did, I was actually in town, but I did not get to attend. So, give us a little overview of what this ALM summit was and where we could view some of the information of what happened there.
2: Oh, okay, cool. Um, again the 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 official Microsoft shortener, so aka dot ms, and then slash Uh, A-L-M Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T. It was um, a bunch of uh, really good sessions, ALM and Agile. um, And it was surprisingly, it was on the Microsoft campus, but it's not a Microsoft conference. You know, it was sponsored by Visual Studio and on the Microsoft campus. But it was um, a surprisingly sort of open conversation about Agile and ALM in general. Um, and then obviously there was a heavy focus on Visual Studio because there was plenty of Visual Studio speakers speaking at it. So, um, yeah, it was a bunch of good content. If you go to, uh, that site, you can get links to the videos, but they're also on, uh, Channel 9, um, under ALM Summit. You can find the videos there. If you go to tinyurl.com slash 7 Juliet Bravo Romeo 5 Misky Lima, that'll take you straight to the Channel 9 videos. And you can go look at all the conversations, get some, There's some great deep dives into what's new in uh, the VS11 and TFS11 developer previews. And you can also get some insight as to, you know, uh, where our current thinking is and and where we're going. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a good site. There's probably more content there than there was um, at build on on VS11 and TFS11. So it's a great, great resource to go to. Excellent. And of course, you know, if you like the, there was a agile across technology boundaries talk by some cheeky little English chap. If you can understand what he's saying, then feel free to vote it up. You know, it should be good. <laughs>
0: well, I would, we would also like to hear from any of our our listeners that may have attended the ALM summit. Um, what's your opinions of it? Were did you think it was a good use of your time you can let us know that at radio tfs at gmail.com
2: hey i just wanted to thank greg again for joining the team it's great to have you on board greg i've been a bigger uh, big fan of your blog for a long time so yeah thanks for joining us and i'm looking forward to doing many many shows now we've got you on board
1: absolutely well thank you for guys for having me it's uh i've been listening to the podcast for forever so it's very interesting to be on this side of the microphone <laughs> Great.
0: Awesome. Well, Greg, thank you for joining us. It's going to be great, as Martin said, to have you as a co host. Martin and Paul, it was great to talk to you all again. And to our listeners, thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next show.